What you say is important, like this explanation from an insurance accident claim. I was taking my canary to the hospital. It got loose in the car and flew out the window. The next thing I saw was his rear end, and there was a crash. Make no mistake about it. The tongue, the gift of communication, it is powerful, it is forceful, and that is why we need to learn how to be good stewards and our words. Welcome to Anchor Points, a program produced by Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church of Frederick, Maryland. Here, we hope you'll find answers to some of life's everyday struggles. You can learn more at fredericksdachurch.org. What you say matters and is directly responsible for almost every thought and emotion you have throughout your life. Today, Robert Quintana helps you learn to use your words wisely. They can build up or tear down in part two of Make It Count. So last time we were together, we started a sermon series on stewardship. Now, before that word scares you off, you know, because a lot of times when we think of stewardship, we think, oh, there goes the pastor again. He's going to be preaching about how he wants my money and how we need to give more, right? A lot of us, that's what we think of when we think of stewardship, but not true because I'm taking a, a different approach to stewardship this time around because the truth is that God has given us so many gifts and so many blessings and when we talk about stewardship the big picture of stewardship is not about wanting to acquire more or make more or or it's not a matter of that it's a matter of taking what we have taking what we have been given and making the most of that and making it count. And there are so many blessings and so many gifts that God has given us. One that we're going to talk about here today. Most everyone in this room has been given this gift. The gift of the tongue. Let me explain what I mean. I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Exodus. I I just want to make sure that you understand that this is a gift from God. That this isn't something that we just have randomly. No, this is a gift from God. Exodus chapter 4. Um, here, for those of you that are familiar with this story, you will remember that, that Moses is being tapped on the shoulder by God to go to Egypt to free the people of God, to free the Israelites, right? And, and Moses is coming up with one excuse after the next. And he's saying, God, I can't do it. I don't want to do it. And every time God is saying to him, no, Moses, I have an answer to that excuse. I have an answer to that. And so he, he says to him, no, it'll be okay. Just tell them that I sent you. No, it'll be okay. I will give you the strength that you need to make this happen. And so Moses is just coming up with one excuse after the next. And then in verse 10, Moses comes up with what I thought was a pretty clever one. He says, then Moses said to the Lord, oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. Come on. How can you argue with that? God, I'm not a very good speaker. You can't expect me to get up in public and speak on your behalf. My words aren't very good. Historians say that Moses was a stutterer. That, that he had a hard time speaking. But this is what verse 11 says. So the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth? 
Or who makes the mute, the deaf, the seen, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall say. Even the words that we speak, even our mouth, our tongue is a gift from God. Now, I I need to to mention something here just so that we're clear when we talk about the stewardship or the management of our words. You see, because in today's day and age, the way we communicate takes on a variety of forms. So this just doesn't apply today to the words that we speak, but it also applies to the words that we put down in print, that we either text or put on Facebook or email. It is the way that we communicate with one another. The Bible teaches us that that is a gift that God gives us. Um, How many would agree with this statement? Women talk more than men. And this study that I came across actually confirms that. On average, women speak about 20,000 words a day. Um, The study said that men on average speak about 7,000 words a day. Now, that's quite a difference if you ask me. That's like three times as much, right? Uh, So you might understand the frustration sometimes that takes place within marriages and couples when, you know, she's like going on and on and on and and she wants you to respond and you're like, uh, sweetie, I I only have 7,000 words and I'm already at, at, you know, 6,009. I don't have many more words to spare here for the rest of the day. The interesting thing, though, is that a a recent study out of the University of Arizona uh, just came out not too long ago that actually suggests that both men and women average about the same amount of words a day, and the study shows that it's about 16,000 words a day. Quite frankly, I didn't realize that I had 16,000 of anything, but apparently 16,000 words a day, that's a lot. And the Bible tells us that that is a gift from God. And what we're trying to answer here today, or the point that we're trying to get across in this message is, how are we going to make those words count? Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, talks about the power of the tongue, the influence that the tongue can have. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. One says this, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Really? I mean, mean, is this gift really that forceful? Apparently so. Man, you talk about this incredible gift that we've been given, and most of us here today will use 16,000 of them just today. Talk about wanting to understand how we can manage, how we can be good stewards of this gift. How can we make our words count because this is a very powerful gift. It deals with life and death. And here it, te- it teaches us that it is, there is one who speaks like the piercings of a sword, but the wise tongue of the wise promotes health. You might now understand why sometimes people might not want to be around you. 
I mean, really, who likes to be around someone who's constantly chopping you up with their sword? And yet, you know, people in your life that you enjoy being around because the words that they speak bring healing. But make no mistake about it. The tongue, the gift of communication, it is powerful, it is forceful. And that is why we as Christians need to learn how to be good stewards of the way that we communicate and our words. This is why David says to guard my lips, guard my mouth. If you turn over to Psalms chapter 141, This is what David says. He recognizes the importance, the power of the tongue. Uh, Verse 3, he says, set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. In other words, put a guard on my mouth. Put a filter on my mouth. Guard it. It says, keep watch over the door of my lips. David understands the power of of the word. He understands the power of what you say and how you say it. And so he says to God, God, I need you to be in control of my mouth. I need you to be in control of my tongue. I need you to be in control of how I communicate to others. I mean, when when you consider how powerful and how forceful this gift really is, as we read here just a little bit ago, You see, because what you need to understand that when we talk about stewardship, it's not about acquiring more. No, it is about taking what we have and making what we have count. And you can see it in other areas. You can see it, for instance, in music. God gives many the gift of music. And some take that gift to build up the kingdom of God. Some take that gift of music to help uplift others and bring inspirational messages to others. But then some take that gift of music and what do they do with it? They use it to what? Tear down the kingdom of God. They take that gift of music and they use it for selfish reasons to propel themselves or to puff themselves up. Well, guess what? The same thing is true of any gift. And the same is true of the gift of the tongue. And today we're learning that one of the things that you can do to start correcting that path that you're on is just start guarding the things that come out of your mouth. Just simply, just start guarding it. In whatever relationship you might be in, it could be in your marriage relationship, it could be in, in a, a friendship relationship, it can be a, a, a relationship here in the church, or wh- wherever you may find yourself, if you start controlling what comes out of your mouth, it has the potential to change the direction of the rest of your life. And, and the verse that I think of when I read this is, if you've done it unto the least of these, my brethren, you have done it unto me. There, there's this principle, um, this theme that keeps on coming up in Scripture that, that how we treat one another is basically how we would treat God. You know, we sometimes think, oh, no, no, no. God's a different story, right? No, I'm going to treat God with respect and love. And, uh, and then we, we treat our, our neighbors, our family we treat our spouses, our children, we treat our co-workers a lot different. We treat strangers. And, and there's this reoccurring theme that says, no, no, wait a second. Uh, how, how you treat one another is really a barometer of how you treat God. 
How you speak to one another is really a barometer of how your relationship with God really is. And so he's making that point there in verse 9, verse 10. Out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. You know, one of the stories that I think of when, when I read that um, was the story of, of good old Peter. You know, Peter kind of has a reputation of, of sticking his, his foot in his mouth. Like time and time again, like he wasn't making his words count. He had to go through a, a learning process, a growth there. But if, if you'd like to turn with me um, to Matthew chapter 16, um, we're going to read one of those stories. Um, here it says in, in chapter 16, verse 13, it says, When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So he's asking his disciples, who do people say that I am? In verse 14, so they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Right? Bringing into uh, their um, understanding that you need to be accountable for what you say, right? You need to be a good steward of your words. The, the 16,000 words that you're going to speak today, you need to make those words count, And Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Peter nailed it. Man, did he use words that counted. I mean, he really just said words that uplifted the name of Christ, that that brought glory to him. So much so that Jesus responds in verse 17 by saying, Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. Nor, for flesh nor blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ. So Peter responded in a good way. He used words that counted. He used words that glorified Jesus Christ, right? Listen to what happens next in in verse 21. It says, from that time, Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chiefs, priests and scribes, and be killed and be raised um, the third day. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Okay, so now Peter is not using words that count. In other words, it's almost as like Peter took off that guard, that bridle off of his mouth, and now he's not using words that glorify, that lift up. And it says here that he took him aside saying, far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. And in verse 23, Jesus reminds Peter exactly how off track he is and reminds Peter that these words that you're using just now, they're, they're not words that count. They're not words that are uplifting. They're not words that are speaking the truth. And so he says to him in verse 23, get behind me, Satan. 
You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. And that's just a few verses right after Jesus was praising Peter for the words that he used. Now listen, most of us live that kind of a life. We say positive things. We say, I love you. And then maybe by lunchtime or by the evening times, the stresses of life and the pressures of life have just gotten to us. And and the words that we speak are words that wound, are words that bring destruction around us. James tells us this should not be. We need to change that. And we just need to humble ourselves before God and say, God, just guard what comes out of my mouth because I do not want to use my tongue as a sword. I want to use my tongue to bring healing. And if I can't use my tongue to bring healing, then I need to just shut up. Because God, the words I say matter. And what I speak is a huge force for either good or evil. But as we journey along this road where God is working in our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit, it is imperative, it is important that we guard our mouths, that we guard our words, our tongue, that we guard what we say to one another. Because not only does it have a huge effect on those around us, not only does it have a huge effect on us, but we have just learned that by doing this, the Holy Spirit uses this very act to help straighten our path and correct our journey to have us going down the right road. You know, Heather and I just came back from a wonderful, wonderful vacation. And uh, we had an opportunity to, to go to Hawaii, a state I had never been before. Towards the end of our trip, we went to the North Shore. Now, Oahu is famous for the North Shore. This is like the Mecca of surfing around the world. Like all professional surfers want to make it to the North Shore at some time, at some point in their lives. There's this section of beach called the Pipeline. You can imagine why it's called the Pipeline. It's because these waves are so huge that they create these pipeline looking waves. And it's one after the other. Well, towards the end of our trip, we saw the, the, the weather report, the surfing report, and they said that there were going to be swells that could reach up to 20 feet. And, and these waves just come consistently crashing onto the beach. And so we were like, you know, let's go check out, you know, the surfers. There was a competition that was going to take place the next day. So we're wondering, there might be some like professional surfers out there or, or body uh, boogie boards out there, you know, preparing for the tournament, whatnot. So we went out there, we sat on the beach for a while, looking at the surfers, you know, taking, taking in the waves, surfing, just, just amazing. I I really don't know that I could ever surf waves like that. I mean, they looked dangerous and, and some of these guys would get up and make it look so easy. And then some of these guys would, as soon as they stood up, Bam, 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 they were, you'd lose them for like 10 seconds and then finally you see them coming up out of the, the, the white water, you know, I mean, it's just crazy. But we were there and I'm asking Heather all these questions. Who has the right of way? I mean, if like three people got up on the same wave 
And who has the right of way? The surfers or the boogie boards? You know, is it like skiing and borders? You know, snowboarders. And I'm, I'm asking her all these questions. And she's like, I don't know. Like, why are you asking me? I'm like, well, why are all these waves like right here? Like, I don't get it. Like, just a few hundred yards over here, the waves aren't that big. Like, why are all the waves right here at, at Pipeline so big? Is it like some kind of like underground channel? I mean, what's going on? And she's like, I don't know. You need to find somebody that knows. I don't know anything about surfing. And so we decided that it was time to go. And as we're walking to the car, I see this young man and I wish you could see him, but you can, I know that you can picture him. You know, Hollywood surfer with, you know, a washboard stomach, you know, six packs, you know, cut, muscular, a beach blonde hair that kind of came down to here, you know, and I was like, I thought to myself, you know what, I think he might know something about surfing. So I'm going to ask this young man, you know, these questions that I've been, you know, plaguing Heather with. So I go up to him and I, I said, you know, in, in a very kind and, you know, non-threatening voice, I said, I said, sir, I said, do you have a few moments to spare? And he looks at me and he's like, yeah, dude, what, what, what can I help you with? And I'm like, dude, I feel like I'm in a movie or something. Like, this is so cool, right? And so I, I say to him, I said, I said, do you, you know about surfing? He's like, yeah, I, I know a little bit about surfing. I, I kind of grew up surfing. I've been surfing since I was a little boy. I said, what's the deal with the, the etiquette out there? Like, who has first rights to a wave? And, and so he goes on to this long explanation. And so we just talked for a while. And just the loveliest guy. It's so kind. I mean, I, I have to admit to you that by the time I was done talking to him, I felt as though I had made a lifelong friend and I felt like I could go out that moment and surf a 20-foot wave. <laughs> That's how good I felt about myself. And I, I'd been talking with him for just about 10 minutes. And, and, and I, at one point I, I said to him, I said, I said, do you teach He's like, oh, dude, yeah, man, I I love teaching people how to surf, man. What are you doing tomorrow? I was like, I'm leaving tomorrow. He's like, he's like, oh, man, well, well, here's my cell phone number and here's my email. And whenever you're back up here, give me a call and I'd love to take you out and I'll teach you how to surf. I'm like, really? This is awesome, right? And so as we're talking, a, a friend of his comes up, Bob. And Gavin turns to, to Bob and he says, Bob, uh, meet my friend here, Robert. This is a good friend of mine, Bob. And so we, we talk a little bit and, and whatnot. And I look at Bob, I said, yeah, I don't know anything about surfing. So I thought I'd ask Gavin if he knew anything about surfing. And he looks at me, he's like, <laughs> does Gavin know anything about surfing? Gavin Sullivan? Uh, yeah, he's a professional surfer. I didn't know. He says, surely you've heard of his dad, Jocko Sullivan. He's like, yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, city boy, D.C., you know, Baltimore area, Frederick, uh, Jocko. He's like, dude, you don't know Jocko? Like, Jocko was like, he's legendary, dude. He's like, he's like one of the first guys to like ever ride the pipeline. 
I'm like, are you serious? He's like, yeah, man, Jocko, he's so famous. He had his own beach named after him. I'm like, this is crazy. This is unbelievable, okay? And, and, and I didn't know this. I didn't know this about him, right? And, and so we you know, got to know a little bit more about him. Turns out Jocko Sullivan, his father, is one of the legends in Hawaii. Like everyone knows Jocko Sullivan, you know, one of the pioneer surfers of, of the, the North Shore, the pipeline. And here this whole time that I'm talking to Gavin, just... A humble, a decent, um, and I hope I don't offend them by saying this, one of the sweetest men I encountered my whole trip down there. And so as we leave here today and as we, we, we try and wrap our mind around stewardship and, and making the, the best of what we have, let's think about our words Let's think about the 16,000 words that we're going to use today. And let's use words that count. Not words that bring depression and argument and criticism. Not words that tear down, but use words that build up. Words that bring healing. Words that will honor and glorify God. Because this gift is an amazing force that God has given us. And we can use it for either good or or evil. And it's time that we, as Jesus's followers, we start using words that count. Anchor Points with Robert Quintana is a ministry of the Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church of Frederick, Maryland. If you enjoyed this message, feel free to share it with a friend. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or at frederickSDAchurch.org. Stewardship is about making the most of what we have. And you may be surprised to learn what God has entrusted to you. Next week, Robert Quintana will help you discover how God calls us to be good stewards of our time in part three of Make It Count. Also, if you're wanting to learn more about how to begin a life change or just wanting more answers, we'd love to talk with you. Feel free to visit us online and check out some of our resources at frederickSDAchurch.org. You can also call us during the week at 301-662-5254. We're located right between I-70 and Route 15 on Jefferson Pike. Our main service takes place Saturdays at 11 a.m., and we'd love for you to join us sometime. Remember, God loves you and wants you to live out His purpose.